We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. To another edition of the Rockpile Report podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. And Chris, we're here talking about what tonight? Winners and losers. We can start with uh, losers because. So you know, I I've been with my landlord for God. We're going on two years, one month. Has be, it really been two years that she's been putting up with your shit? We, well, yeah. So part of the process of like, I don't know why, well, we might have been podcasting last year when this was happening, but, you know, part of the, you can throw me a Montucky if you can. Oh, yes, sir. I will Montucky the hell out of you. Uh, hell yeah. Part of the, this move-in process, I mean, she has a child going into second grade. They start on Tuesday. So yesterday was the I guess open house like come drop all your oh, shit off no, oh no so I went to you that you went into a school yeah I went I went into first of all isn't there's gotta be a law against that somewhere with that haircut this outfit like come on oh my god it was uh no I see the animals that walk into public schools <laughs> yeah there were there were they some... probably see you and they're like thank god there were but thank it's, god. but with my landlord having a child and getting to experience that, it, it puts my head in a space of like, I can't wait till you get to this point. <laughs> and watching you with Jack go into a school for an open house. I mean, I was a little like, I saw a, a picture of his teacher from the yearbook last year, and I was like, this ain't going to be good. And then, uh, Met her, met the teacher. Dude, I kid you not, she's a loser. 
he's a loser. Yeah, dude. No. It's one of those things where you want to pull the kid aside and be like, pay attention. This is a loser. Yeah, you know how I know? You know how I know she's a loser? How? She's got a fucking dead tooth. Oh, no. Don't say that. Yeah, DT. Yeah, but that's not her fault. Maybe they don't have debt. No, they're teachers. They have good health care in New York State, at least. Yeah. God. Loser. They may not make a ton, but they have good health care. Yeah, that's a rough one. Yeah, I can't wait for you when when you meet. Listen though, you can't. Whoa, 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 whoa! I have fucked up teeth. I have bulldog mouth. Yeah, but they're white. I have fangs. No, they're not. They're coffee stained. They're they're starting to yellow. Chris, you walking into a school for an open house is one of the most hilarious things I've ever heard of. Like the comedy premises write themselves. I don't even have to. It's like the Three Stooges effect. There's too many jokes trying to get out of my brain at once. They're just wedged in the door now. It was uh, it was pretty. Yeah, it was probably pretty terrible. It was well, like the building is awful and the smell of a <laughs> yeah, school. Because there's children. Kids stink. My kids do. It's, it Two was... kids under three. And a whole, uh, the whole upstairs of my house smells like human feces, or at least the whole end of the hallway where their rooms are. Yeah, it was uh, it was bad. Maybe that makes me a loser. I live in a house with two small children, and part of it just smells like feces all the time. Yeah, well, you're buying a new one. We're here talking about winners and losers post-53 man rosters across the NFL. We've got plenty of meat on the bone tonight. I'm already 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. This is my 11th beverage of the evening. I'm on 6. It's our pettiest podcast of the week. That's right, folks. Breaking down the fourth wall, we recorded three shows in a single night. This is the last one, because Chris, you saved the best for last, right? Yeah. So we're here talking about winners. I want to start with youth football linebackers. It's not every day that some kid who plays for an AAU football team gets to star in ESPN's Not Top 10. Typically... Because most major TV syndicates frown on the concept of punching down on children. I mean, I, I don't share that affliction. <laughs> I don't. I don't have that problem. But I can. I can see why other people might find it prudent. But this week, number twenty-three. That's all I know about him. I've scoured the internet. They won't give out the team name. <laughs> they won't give. Other than it was an AAU team from Baltimore. Like a 10-year-old wearing the jersey number 23 from Baltimore, Maryland, made made the cut for some unbelievable reasons. Chiefly that he single-handedly sacked the Ravens mascot, Poe, during a halftime football scrimmage, causing him to tear his ACL on national television and have to be carted off the football field. I know I'm laughing, but it's it's a horrific injury, right? Yeah, well, I mean that injury bug for Baltimore continues from last year. <laughs> well, that's that that was the joke. Mascot injuries. I, w- I want to see this. I want to see what the okay injuries since 2000. It's one of the funniest things in the entire world, and yet it's also incredibly sad when you think about the fact that, like, picture a mascot getting injured. Your job is to run around in a suit in front of children, and then a kid destroys your lower body to the point where you need surgery. 
I like and then it. dances. And then dances his way off the field. That kid knows he smoked that stupid bird. Meanwhile, there's a guy in there who's just like, I have a real job. I have a real job that I'm supposed to report to on Monday. You son of a bitch. <laughs> but there's something cool. Knowing that when you're an adult, right, that kid, number 23, when you have kids of your own and they inevitably think you're a dork, you can go on YouTube and find this incident and go, yeah, you see that stupid bird? Well, I got him once. I'll get you too if you don't, if you don't straighten up and fly right. Chris, the injury history of mascots is actually pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. I watched a special on it once. The guy who used to play the Philly Fanatic said that he fell down like it was only like four or five concrete stairs at Philly Stadium. Yeah. Shattered his leg. Shattered it. He's flopping around on the ground. No was one it, came to help him because they just assumed it was a mascot being silly. Was this um the old stadium? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... They don't build them like they used to. <laughs> no, no, they don't. Those things were death traps. Yeah. Uh, it's just funny to me that there's some kid out there who gets to walk around with this like, yeah, you saw that bird? I got him. That was me. I guess you could call him a loser, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if you're an adult who gets injured severely by a child in a pickup football game. I don't know. I saw the tweet go out. Where they said, screw the XFL, screw the USFL, give us mascots playing children in football games. And they put up that video. Do you remember that? The Colts mascot when he was just out there stiff-arming children to the ground? Yeah. I love it. I would pay to watch that. Fuck the XFL. I don't care who's in it. But you know what? I would pay pay pay-per-view to watch adults in mascot outfits playing against high school-aged children. Yes, give me that. (sighs) Losers, if we're talking about the NFL as a whole. First of all, 49ers quarterback Trey Lance. This is a rough one. Do you remember when the Bills made the decision to start the now hilariously ranked 13th best player in the NFL, Josh Allen, back in 2018, When they decided to start him at halftime during game one of the 2018 season, there was nary a complaint to be heard from Bill's Mafia. Can you blame us? Think about what we'd seen at quarterback leading up to that. Uh, The late aughts into the 20-teens were a disaster. You had the Holcomb-Lossman saga, a journeyman quarterback, struggling first-round draft pick, That didn't end well. Edwards, who got concussed out of the NFL just when things were looking good. Uh, Fitzpatrick, who was exciting. He's forever going to hold a place in the hearts of Buffalonians everywhere. But whose overall mediocrity couldn't elevate the poor roster around him. And then Manuel, who was so bad that the team replaced him with Uncle Rico's drunk brother, Kyle Orton, the following season. That leads us into the late 2010s, and McDermott takes the team over. And in that first year, 
you could tell that even if it was a mistake, he wanted a passer who was brought something that Tyrod Taylor didn't have. Right? Like, it was a mistake to put Nathan Peterman out there. He owned it, moved on from it, somehow was a good enough coach to not let it tank the locker room, but also, it was a fucking disaster. And then, the following season, Peterman lights the world on fire in the preseason. Josh Allen's a rookie. Now, you were watching that Browns game with me when he made that ridiculous throw. Do you remember flat-footed, almost falling backwards? Yeah. And rifled it in a trap. And everyone, it set the world. I drank half a bottle of whiskey because of that throw. I was like, it was like seeing Jesus for the first time. Like seeing stigmata and going, oh my God, I repent. <laughs> I'm repenting, even if I'm not willing to admit it. But they still started Nathan Peterman. <laughs> and it was awful. Right? It was terrible. So they pull him at halftime and put out Josh Allen, who was supposed to sit for most of his rookie season. <sighs> the thing was it gave us hope. Right? Luckily for us Bills fans, hope evaporates pretty quickly. <laughs> it really does. Like that first Ravens game, you were like, maybe Nathan Peterman is the answer. And maybe Josh Allen can sit and learn. Nope. 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 Fuck you. Right back into the fire. It's all going to be bad. Damn the consequences. We're going to put Josh Allen in there. The thing we had going for us was that between the organization and the fan base, there were no other options. We had exhausted it. We knew that there was nowhere else to go. No security blanket. Just trust Josh Allen to grow into being the leader of this franchise. Has he done it? Allen is the man. Okay. Trey Lance isn't going to be so fucking lucky. For the second year in a row, and in a surprising turn of events, the 49ers, NFC Championship contenders just this past season, and I think they went to a Super Bowl, what, three years ago? Two years ago? Yeah, it was the one right before COVID. Yes. They've decided to move on and make Trey Lance their starter. And that's smart business. You know, you, you traded up to take the kid in the third round. You might as uh, number three overall. You might as well see what he has. Rather than continuing to let Jimmy Garoppolo be the brand of mediocre he's been his entire career. <sighs> Unfortunately, we all know how this works. The moment that this kid struggles, right, there's going to be pressure both in the coaching staff and from outside the building. Not to let what could be a promising season slip away. This is still a very strong 49ers roster. They're turning the keys over to a kid. But they didn't get rid of the other guy. It's like, Chris, when you start dating a girl. But you still talk to your ex. That would never happen. It's not a good idea, right? No. No. It's a terrible idea. No, I've I've never dated somebody that where it didn't end violently. <laughs> Just <laughs> trashing each other on the way out. It's never happened. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've, I've had a lot of women trash me. It's just usually very one-sided because I don't have anything negative to say about them. They just hate my guts. 
Well, I mean, (laughs) based on my history, I have a lot of negative things to say about certain people. (laughs) I've never, I've never split up from somebody and became friends with them. I still think one of the pettiest things you've ever said or ever texted me was that you were driving and you were like, oh, I see the guy. I see the guy that my ex-wife cheated on me with. He's spinning a sign for Coles. Oh, yeah. He was standing at um, whatever the shop, the shopping center is off a of mile strip. And he was wearing his army getup because he was in the army like to try to get him. Some oh, point. I remember yeah. when he threatened you. And I was just like, I don't care what you were. Yeah. I'll take your hands. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that? Yeah. Oh, Have look. you seen Casino? Yeah, oh, yeah. Look at that. You're spinning a sign <laughs> standing at the corner of the Coles and Marshalls shopping center. I guess you can't get a real job because you're a fucking criminal. Chris texted me and he was like, I was so happy. I had to go in and buy a shirt. He's like, yeah. I had to go to Coles and shop just because that guy was out there spinning a sign. Yeah. Chris, we are petty motherfuckers. Yeah. We really are. But so we understand what this is like. And the worst part is, is that the the 49ers schedule shapes up to allow for this exact drama to play out. They open against Chicago and Seattle, which are two highly winnable games on paper, right? Yeah. Then they go to Denver and, and on Sunday Night Football. So let's say they're two and one. And then they got to go into Monday Night Football against division rival Los Angeles Rams who are going to try and repeat as NFC West champs. If Lance struggles in that game or God forbid they're one in three coming out of that four game stretch. I mean, he's learning. I I think I saw Brett Coleman put on Twitter the other day that uh, they were talking about how raw Josh Allen was by comparison to Baker Mayfield. Mm -hmm. Trey Lance has half the pass attempts that Josh Allen had coming into the NFL. Like, he's so raw. You need to give this kid time to learn. He doesn't have it now. Now he's a starter. He's out there. He's going to take his lumps. And if it goes poorly, I, I don't know. Or in their game against KC or the rematch with LA the following week before the bye, if he struggles early, the calls for the quarterback, who, while not being anything special, is enough of a game manager not to hurt them, they could get pretty loud, couldn't they? Oh, yeah. Trey Lance should be on a short leash. Meanwhile, they asked Trey Lance, and he has to do the thing that everybody with Stockholm Syndrome says. They're like, no, no. Or every like in, a, in an abusive relationship, they're like, no, no, it's great. I'm glad that he's here. I'm glad that Jimmy's here because he's been so helpful to me throughout my career. What career? You've never gotten to fucking play. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? It's not a genuinely fair situation, but it's this shit sandwich that this team is asking him to take a bite out of. And listen, don't worry. We've got plenty of cold Montucky for you if you want to wash that down. (laughs) It's just going to be bad, Chris. That whole, he's a loser because they didn't get rid of Maybe could get rid. Mm-hmm. A fucking, uh, what's his face? Damn it. What's his name now? Who? Eleven beers. It's escaping me. Uh, who's the old quarterback? Garoppolo. Yeah. Well, what is it? All I can think of is the Subway commercial where they're just like, oh, he thinks I'm... 
whatever. And he's like, oh, he's like, oh, just my, the subs, just like Nana used to make. And then his grandmother's leaving. She goes, I never cook. He's a good thing he's pretty. <laughs> he's not that attractive. He's mediocre at best. Chris, you are a better looking man than Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, I don't have his bank account. No, no, you don't. You know who else it was a bad week for? Bill's fan pre-draft crushes. Oh, here we go. It, the pettiest podcast will record for the rest of the offseason, maybe for the rest of the year. We got to get into all of it. Bill's fans pre-draft crushes. It has been a rough summer for players that Bill's fans get fired up about before the last few NFL drafts. Every season, Chris, we hear about these fringe players. Everyone's like, well, this guy's a steal. This guy could be the next Dontari Poe, the next uh, Halote Nada, and everyone's just overlooking him. Boop, boop, boop. Do you remember the podcast that we did with uh, Matt Waldman? And he talked to us about what it meant to be a rust belter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he basically said, listen, there's something wrong with all of us in this idea that we collectively, we we love to root for guys who are mediocre to make it because realistically, we come from a background that's mediocre that's trying to make it. We identify more with guys who are just working hard, blue-collar players without a lot of pedigree than we do with stars, with legitimate talent, with pedigree. You know what I mean? This is the problem. So you go down the list this week. Defensive tackle Tyler Shelvin, or as cover one's Greg Thompson likes to call him, Trophy Shelvin. Uh, He got cut by the Bengals. He was a fourth-round pick. Safety Hamza is not going to see the NFL anytime soon. He was Bills fans were crazy about him. Talking about him, in, it's like a second or third round pick. I remember Buffalo Fanatics doing all these in-depth things on him. Sixth round pick of the Jets, they caught him. They're like, nah, you're not good enough to play in the NFL. Trill Williams, undrafted free agent that everyone was like, oh, the Bills should take this guy in the third or fourth round. On the IR with an ACL tear for the Miami Dolphins. Quarterback Josh Rosen, cut and then signed to the Browns practice squad. God. Which, is the Rosen one the worst? Yeah. Myself included, there was a lot of Rosen stands out there in the Bills Mafia. Yeah, you were definitely a Rosen stand. Picture the hierarchy of NFL football teams like a skyscraper. Some of them, like the Bills, the Chiefs, the Rams, you're up in the penthouse. And then you've got some mid-level teams or some people who are a little bit farther down, like the Ravens, the Steelers, like going into the season. And then you've got the the tenements, the people living downstairs who don't maybe, maybe their apartment doesn't have any windows. <laughs> they have substandard ventilation. That's the Browns. So then imagine what it's like if you know that there's a skyscraper your team is in the basement of it, and you are somehow in that team's basement. Isn't that embarrassing? Embarrassing. For, for, for what, the eighth pick or ninth pick in the NFL draft? Yeah. 
Ah, I think I think the thing that we've learned throughout this is that we as a collective fan base don't know shit about the draft. I'm glad that we admitted it sooner than a lot of other people have, right? Yeah. I at least steer into it. I don't yeah. know what I'm talking about. I don't try to be good at this. Yeah, you drive right off that cliff. <laughs> if we're talking about the AFC East, winners and losers, I've got two. A winner, Denzel Mims. Chris, imagine walking into your boss's office this week, telling him that, well, you're not quitting. I'm not quitting my job, but I'm going to go look for another job. And you're saying that, well, you currently suck at the thing that they hired you to do. That seems like a pretty empty threat, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. That would almost incentivize the company to fire you just on principle, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay. Denzel Mims scored a win for slackers everywhere when he demanded a trade from the New York Jets. And then when he found out he wasn't getting it, put on a goddamn show in that week's preseason game so strongly that they had no choice but to keep him. Imagine that. You're like, well, I'm a bubble player anyway. I don't give a fuck. You go out there and play football loose, carefree, and you show them that you can be the player they drafted you to be and then they opt not to get rid of you. It's almost disappointing at that point, isn't it? Yeah. You thought you were auditioning, and instead now you're still on the Jets. Yeah, maybe they can trade him in season. Does that make him a winner and a loser? Yeah. <laughs> he won because he didn't lose his job. Yeah. He lost because he's still a fucking Jet. Yeah. What is it? Uh, Dimitri Martin has this great joke about, about that. It said... Uh, Employee of the month. The only way you can be a winner and a loser at the same time. <laughs> I like that. Oh. Speaking of losers, around the AFC East, running back Sony Michelle. You want to talk about a fall from grace? Collegiate star running back. Turned first round draft pick. As a rookie has a monster Super Bowl performance. Scores the game's only touchdown. Doubles the production of the next closest rusher on either team. Sony Michelle was the show. Him and Julian Edelman basically paced the Patriots' offense. So, NCAA star, check. First-round pick, check. Super Bowl champion, check. He's got a ring, Chris. Life was pretty fucking grand for Sony Michelle. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you know a guy like this, Chris? I think we all do. We all, everyone listening to the show knows this guy. Todd Gurley? The guy you went to high school with who peaked there. Me? Did you peak in high school? I think I did. <laughs> I had to go to private school. <laughs> Wait, wasn't that the one with the ritzy cafeteria that you keep bragging about? It wasn't a ritzy cafeteria as much as somebody from Chick-fil-A would show up with a cooler chicken sandwiches. And what, you just walked up and took them? Yeah, there's like a prepaid thing. We had that, Papa John's, KFC. Dude, we got terrible chimichangas and bricks of peanut butter fudge as big as your face. What was that thing that That's K- all we had? Well, KFC had that thing, the Twister. Oh, I fucking hate you. Twister, dude, I'd you're have, making, uh, dude. This in your Sperry's, I can just see it. I can uh, just see prep school, Chris. I didn't wear Sperry's until I was an adult, but uh, <laughs> the ugh, the Twister was uh, Fridays from KFC. I remember that. Jesus Christ. Private school, pretty cool thing. So you so you think your life peaked in high school? Most likely. <laughs> I'm going to go tell your landlord. I it can't did, wait for her to listen to this. It, it didn't get better, I'll tell you that. The guy that we're talking about here, the guy who peaks in high school, usually an athlete or just a physically fit guy with a lot of charisma, attractive girls loved him, people seemed to gravitate towards him because he had that, like, the it factor. Even though he was quietly kind of a douche. Right? We all know that guy. And then you run into him in your late 20s. And you find out that they're starting to lose their hair a little bit. They've got the receding hairline. They've gained 30 pounds. They got divorced already before 30 because they married one of those super attractive girls who happens to be just a ditz. Turned out to be a terrible fit. And now they live in a mediocre apartment because they have to make alimony payments. <laughs> like that's yeah, that was one of you just described one of my friends. I just described Sony Michelle. All right, well, y'all. Sony Michelle had his best days when he first entered the NFL. Now you look at him and he's literally being cut from the Dolphins. He went from top of the world, I'm a Super Bowl fucking champion, to being cut from a running back stable that includes Chase Edmonds who's basically a receiving back. I mean, he he doesn't generate missed tackles or broken tackles at the rate of Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary's no star, is he? No. But he's more effective than Edmonds. Uh, Raheem Mostert, who's a speed back that's played nine games in two seasons. Miles Gaskin, a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, that's failed most of his expectations. And Savan Ahmed, who nobody even knows who the hell he is. I don't know. Isn't, like, that's almost insulting, don't you think? Yeah. He walks around going, I have a ring. I was the most productive player in a Super Bowl on either team. And they go, yeah, that's nice. We've got Miles Gaskin. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Yeah, that's insane. It's hilarious that he got fired for those guys. I don't know. It just shows you how cutthroat the NFL is and how some coaching staffs just don't know what it is they're trying to build. And then you get to the Buffalo Bills. Winners and losers. Winners, Balen Specter. Let's start there. 
Sixth and seventh round picks don't make their team out of training camp, do they? Nah, well, it depends. Not if you're a good team. Yeah, that's harder to do if you're good. If you're bad. Even when the team was bad, look at this list from Buffalo's history. Michael Jasper, do you remember him? Nope. Yeah, of course you wouldn't. He was the immovable object. He was like 360-something pounds. Uh, John Potter, the kickoff specialist that never panned out. I remember remember James Potter was so excited because he goes, there's finally a player with my last name on his jersey that I could buy, and it would be cool because it's my name. And we cut him in the preseason. Uh, Dustin Hopkins, he actually went on to have a career in Washington, but didn't do anything here in Buffalo. Uh, preseason superstar Des Lewis, you remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin Prowell. Had to drink a Seagram's because of that. I had to drink a Seagram's because of that. Tommy Sweeney, who has yet to matter at all on the NFL stage. Dane Jackson might be the most successful of Brandon Bean's late selections. And even Dane had to cool his heels on the practice squad for about a year. I don't know. He had to wait before he got a significant chance to contribute at an NFL level. Being a seventh-round pick, that's almost exclusively the path that you're forced to take to make it to the NFL stage. So while rookie Terrell Bernard making the roster was kind of a foregone conclusion because they spent a third-round pick on him, you're not going to cut him, right? Correct. Okay. It's absolutely cool to see that Balin Specter got the nod for the roster after putting up some really great performances in the preseason. He tied for fourth most solo tackles in the NFL among all linebackers and was second in assisted tackles. So that shows you he can fly to the ball. He has good instincts when there's a runner in the open field. He knows how to come downhill quickly, make contact, and drive. Posted the seventh best rating for any linebacker in the NFL in run defense and tackling. It's not all roses. His coverage ratings were terrible. You look at him and he got picked on when teams wanted to throw the ball. They picked on Spectre. I think he went like, uh, he, he allowed five of six one game, five of five the next game, like three of four the next. It wasn't good. But that's fine. Because he's never, ever at the NFL level going to be a coverage linebacker, is he? And that's, that's not what we're doing here. Yeah. That tackling ability, the vision, the block shedding, those are the building blocks of an, a fantastic special teams player. And like we've talked about in previous podcasts, it's one thing to have a guy on special teams. Like right now we're, playing, we're paying Matikevich. Uh, Met, we're paying him one point what three point five million dollars for this season. That's great, but if you can get away with having a good special teams linebacker who only costs you less than a million dollars, that's cool in a vacuum. Everyone goes, "Well, you save two million, but what's two million?" Well, that's cool, but if you can do that with three players, that two million becomes six million, which becomes Roger Saffold's salary for the year. That's he's, he's supposed to be good. That's what you're supposed to do when you reach this level of roster building. When you look at the Buffalo Bills, and you see what they are. You say, I need four Balin Specters to equal out one Roger Saffold. This is the shell game that the Buffalo Bills are going to be forced to play moving forward, given the amount of cap space we have 
and what it is we're forced to devote to Alan's salary, Diggs' extension, the extensions that are probably coming for either Ed Oliver or Tremaine Edmonds, or maybe, God forbid, both. Like, we're going to have to play loose and fast. Having this kid here, I don't know. Congrats to him for making the most of his opportunity and helping us become a little more cap solvent in the future in the process. In that same vein, Christian Benford. I, would you have predicted that he made the roster, Chris, as a sixth-round pick? I know I didn't. I trashed it. In fact, I we, probably, we, sat here with, we sat here with Nate, and I disregarded it. We didn't even talk about it because I thought there's no way in hell that this lower-ranked, lower-collegiate cornerback has any shot. If um, there's any position on a football team where you can never have enough guys at said position, it's cornerback. So I would have given him a shot to make the the 53 or at least get to the practice squad. So when I look at the coverage, like defenses, okay, uh, coverage. Let's pull this up here. Let's take a look. Christian Benford. So in the preseason this year, Christian Benford led the team, according to Pro Football Focus and Coverage Grade. Uh, if you look at the preseason as a whole, 62 cover snaps. Targeted twice. One reception allowed. Nine yards. One yard after the catch. So right there, what that tells you is that's a guy who's in his wide receiver's hip pocket all of the time. 62 times he went out to cover routes. They threw at him twice. (laughs) They threw at him twice. And one of them, he broke up. Remember that Colts game? Yeah. He was like, ah, fuck you guys. You're not going to get me. That's incredible. That's what NFL caliber coverage is supposed to look like. Now, obviously, he's got a lot to learn, and he's not going to have a lot of time to do it because we're going to need him a lot in this Rams game. But it's it's telling that you can throw this kid out there into the fire from a lower-ranking college, and he went out there and said, listen, not only are you not going to get passes on me, but when you do, I'm going to tack, like I'm going to be in your hip pocket, so when you catch the ball, I'm tackling you while you do. That's it. There's no yak. You're not getting behind me. You're not getting away from me. I'm an athlete. And when you look at his RAS score, it's impressive. He is a quick athlete. He's got long speed. He's got short shuttle speed. He's got everything. He's got size. He's got length. The only thing he didn't have was a D1 pedigree. It's amazing that we managed to dig in. Like, look at this. So Brandon Bean, a sixth-round pick, a seventh-round pick, I think Benford was sixth, wasn't he? Let's yeah, see. Benford was a sixth-round pick. You have like, managed to find ridiculous value at picks where most teams are just throwing those players away. Yeah. That's crazy. But it also speaks to him, just kudos to him. Good for him for showing up, buying in, being what they thought he could be. I don't know. Chris, you actually... Before we move on to the next one, you look pretty concerned. We're sitting here watching the game you bet on. <laughs> Minnesota, New Mexico State. You took it, what, 36 and a half? Yeah, it's 24 nothing Minnesota. Ah, because you really thought New Mexico State could score, didn't you? 
<laughs> no, it's not score. They don't need to score. They just need to not let Minnesota keep scoring every possession. Yeah. All, like, all I need is, like, uh, New Mexico to get two touchdowns, and I'll be fine. But you're sweating it. Yeah. Oh, you're flirting with being one of the losers of the night. Oh, it could be interesting. Could be interesting. Another winner, and I hate to call him this, but it's tight end O.J. Howard. Imagine getting paid $3 million for a summer's worth of work and then getting to take that money, put it in your bank account, then go to another job and take more money from them to do the same job that you just got paid $3 million to do from someone else. NFL yeah. contracts are a hell of a thing. O.J. Howard's release was one of the biggest surprises of this entire process for me. Now, we've already taken our lumps on Twitter. People tweeting at us, Facebook messaging us. Yes, I will address it. I'm not drinking a Seagram's because he got cut. What I will say is that I'm not upset that O.J. Howard, I think I made a point on Twitter, our tight end two has never mattered. At least not while the Bills have been relevant here under Sean McDermott. Has it, Chris? Say that again? Our tight end, two has not mattered. No. To the offense. No. Never matters. So, this was a... They were. I was looking at it from a perspective of O.J. Howard is the most accomplished tight end, two we've ever rostered. So, if he doesn't look like the best athlete, it doesn't matter because he's done more. They decided they want to go towards this positionless offense thing where they go, hey, we, we actually like this one guy who does a lot of what Reggie Gilliam does. They move in space. They block. They get to the second level and they create. He's never going to be a red zone monster because he doesn't have the size, the length. But it doesn't matter because they bring something O.J. Howard doesn't at this point in his career, which is explosive athleticism. That's it. They were like, listen, our tight end group, we're just going to go out there and put athletes on the field, get in space, play positionless offense. Well, when I look at O.J. Howard, I'm not mad that they wasted $3 million in two point, uh, like I think it's like $2.5 or $2.6 million in dead cap on him. What I'm mad about is, I, I just, I'm not even mad, I want to know what the process was that led to them signing him in the first place then. Because, Chris, if you're going to pay someone that money and then all of a sudden divest yourselves of them as if they don't matter, isn't it worth reviewing what was the thought process that led you to this? I think it's fair to question their decision-making, correct? Yeah. Okay. I want to know that Brandon Bean and company are going to go back to the drawing board. The same way they said they would reevaluate based on the Cody Ford pick and how his development didn't pan out. And Brandon Bean said, I will reevaluate how this whole situation played out and what our process is for how we bring guys in, what we scout, how we develop. Well, the same has to apply to how you go out there and try to find free agent tight ends because you guys have sucked at it for a long time. Tyler Croft didn't make the impact you wanted. O.J. Howard didn't make the impact you wanted. Who's the guy that we cut? Like in the first round. First round of cuts. Didn't we have a tight end? Oh, Weidermeyer. Yeah. Why was he even here? He didn't need to be here. 
You literally could have just sent, you could have just not signed him as an undrafted free agent. I hope that this has taught our pro scouting department something and Brandon Bean something. And I hope that collectively they can come together and try to figure out how do we stop wasting money on bad signings like this. Guys who aren't as athletic as we needed them to be, or at least wanted them to be, to keep pace with the rest of the offense without sticking out like a sore thumb. I don't know. I don't, the tight ends are hard to come by. Like, they are. Where are the best ones drafted? Third, fourth, fifth round. That's where, I mean, I wouldn't... I don't think... I love the fact I that the Ravens spent how many first round and second round draft picks on tight ends? Yeah. They drafted Max Williams. No one even knows who he is anymore. Uh, Max with two X's. If you name your kid Max with two X's, not only is he going to grow up to be either an NFL football player or a cage fighter or a serial burglar, right? Yeah. But also, you have to live with that shame. You did that to your kid. He's going to hold that against you. Max with two X's. Yeah, well, Baltimore loves tight ends because that's what they need for their offense. Yeah, they drafted uh, Hayden Hurst, Max Williams, and uh, Mark Andrews all in like back-to-back-to-back years. Mark Andrews is the only one that panned out. Yeah. Didn't they have Todd Heap back in the day? They did. Todd Heap was a monster. Quietly just won fantasy titles for me. It was awesome. The last winner we have here for the Buffalo Bills is wide receiver Jake Kumaro. Guy who was in direct... Did he get a haircut? He's in direct competition with fan favorite Nate Geary's former draft crush, crush, uh, Isaiah Hodgins. When you get to this point of the depth chart, we've talked about it. What can you do for me? Can Can you play special teams? Because if you can't, and all you can do is one thing then I don't give a fuck how talented you might be. You will never get the chance to show it. I think you called Isaiah Hodgins the guy that would catch the ball from Josh Allen in warm for Josh Allen in warm-ups. Yeah. Would you rather have that, or would you rather have a guy who's a proven gunner on special teams? I like the special teams versatility. Of course. So does every coach in football. It's one of those things where if you're not going to make the roster at your position, you better apply yourself on special teams. Jake Kumaro's done it. Isaiah Hodgins hasn't. So even though he was the most productive player in the entire, the entire league, like he was in that top five, six players for wide receiver production for all the preseason, didn't matter. This team already had its mind made up. They said, listen, doesn't matter how many passes you catch in the preseason how many impressive over the back behind the back with one-handed touchdown grabs doesn't matter because ultimately i need you to be able to contribute no matter what like you have to earn your pay i think john fina told us once he goes the guys who show up and don't do that they're called on the bread line this means you're on the bread line you're just here (laughs) collecting your bread and going about your business you have to contribute or else everyone in the locker room starts to sour on you. Jake Kumaro has that. He goes out there and busts his ass. Touchdown Jesus, but he's a much better talent in terms of covering punts, covering kicks. I don't know. 
I think he deserved it more. Do you? Yeah, I'll take Kumro. Special teams versatility. That's it. His production wasn't anything but Hodgins had, but everyone needs to stop crying about it because Kumaro will do more for us on Sundays than Hodgins ever could. And then we get to the losers. I can open a fresh beer for this one. Matt Hawk, former punter, now turned Indianapolis Colt. He's one of the losers in this. Matt Hawk last year did his job, did what was asked of him, tried his ass off, almost went to a Super Bowl with the Buffalo Bills. You know, Bean talked about it in his press conference today about cutting Hawk and said that he, while he his punting wasn't good last year, he didn't want to break up what he had with Bass and Ferguson mm-hmm. on them field goals. And then... You cut him to find out that uh, your punter has some issues. Allegedly. Yeah, like he allegedly took part in a violent molestation of another human being. Allegedly. Allegedly. Because we're not trying to get sued over here. But I feel bad for Matt Hawk and all this. Because he gets released for this kid that they put their faith in over him. Now, first of all, that's insulting. You go, okay, you never really gave me a fair shot because you never let me hold, and you only gave me one punt in the preseason. That's it. Mm -hmm. So it was a rigged competition from the beginning. Then you cut me for him, and basically I had to sign with whoever was willing to give me a job. So I went to the Colts, who are... I know everyone's high on Jonathan Taylor and, oh, their line and their defense in the South down there in the AFC. They're going to be a fringe team this year. Fringe team. The Colts? Yeah. And Matt Hawk has to be a part of it. They're going to punt a lot because their wide receivers aren't great. They don't get natural separation. And... Matt Ryan's good, but he's not a miracle worker. We saw that last year with the with a bad Falcons roster. So, I don't know. He's going to be working his ass off, punting a ton, and silently wondering, like, what did I do to get exiled from a team that never never wants to punt? <laughs> yeah. Has gone multiple games without punting. Like, he's like, what did I do? Was I worse than a guy who just, again, violent molestation, allegedly, said we don't get sued. Was I worse than that guy, really? Why did I end up here? I mean, he all literally of- just got exiled. Yeah. I feel bad for him. I genuinely do. Yeah. Because he's he could have been on this train. He's a nice guy. I met him one time. I would have taken him on our team. I mean, it, it's great that we signed a guy who statistically is a very good punter. Yep. Also from Georgia. I would Helps have, with Reed. I would have felt less slimy about the whole thing if we had just kept Hawk. Like, I feel genuinely bad about that. Yeah. That we kicked off a guy off of last year's team for nothing. And then brought in a street free agent, just being like, well, we got to take whoever we can get off the street. And Matt Hawk's probably like, man, if I could quit my contract right now and come back, I would. 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> I just... Damn it. It just leaves me with a bad taste in my mouth. Running backs Raheem Blackshear and fans who love preseason running backs. Christian Wade. The Christian Wade group. Who was before that, though? Do you remember some of the other ones, the preseason phenoms that everyone would be like, well, that guy has to make the roster? No. I feel like it's a recent thing, and I think the Christian Wade touchdown run kind of gave birth to his whole thing. I think it uh, goes in line with the, uh, I don't know, I guess the, the draft value of a running back. They've lost their draft value. So now it's just like, well, you don't even need to draft a running back. You can just find a UDFA and just put him as your number one back. Because <laughs> they just keep getting moved down a lot. Like every year, it's, you know, when we talk to Matt Waldman in April, it's going to be like, there's going to be one running back that has a first round grade. I just opened a Molson Canadian out of Chris's fridge and it tastes like hay. <laughs> <laughs> Tastes like I just bit into a fucking hay bale. What is this? I'm a loser because I just took a sip out of that goddamn beer. I don't know why you just didn't grab for a Montucky. I grabbed the first thing I could. Oh, God, I got to wash that out. Get that taste out of my mouth. No, Raheem Blackshear, Chris, make no bones about it. The dude put himself out there on display, did he not? He did. He might have single-handedly won us that Colts game. Yep. That fourth quarter was just Raheem Blackshear willing our offense to victory. I just feel like guys like him, it, it sucks because you're out here killing yourself. And you're never going to surpass. Like, you're, a team, you're playing for a team that just drafted a running back in the second round. How big of an impact do you think you're really going to make? I get it for him. It's a job. It's basically a job interview for 31 other franchises, too, to look at that and go, hey, our depth chart sucks. This guy might make a difference. The fact that he's back here, that no other, I'm disappointed that no other team took a chance on him and that he's back in our practice squad. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not happy to have him here. I'm mad for him. Yeah. He didn't get an opportunity to go somewhere and try to show that what he did for us during the preseason doesn't translate to normal Sundays. Yeah. I don't know. I think he just got fucked there. Yeah, well, maybe with injury he can uh, find his way to the roster. Oh, it just popped into my head. You know, another draft crush for the Buffalo Bills that got fucked this year? Robert Kimdichie. Do you remember him? Yeah, he jumped out of a window, right? Yeah. Remember, everyone loved the idea of him for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Especially Icy Vic. Did he get cut? Oh, cut again. He's been cut like four times now. First round of what? Top 10, top 15 draft pick? Yeah, what was it? 2017? 2017, I think. Why don't you Google that for me, JMO? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it'll take a minute for me to pull it up. But I'm, I mean, I'd go right to his name, but... I don't know how to spell that. <laughs> I lo- I love how painfully honest you are. I don't think I don't even think he knows how to spell his own name. No, I think he does. I mean, a guy who felt, dude, he fell out of the window, third story window of a hotel, and then talked to the EMTs when they got there. He was just walking around. They're like, "What? You fell how far? Sit down." He's like, "No, I'm good." 
I'm Robert Kimdiji. <laughs> yeah, he went in 2016, 29th overall. Ah, uh, 29th. Okay, so he was still so first on draft back. He did Arizona, Miami, Seattle, San Francisco. <laughs> Icy, you love that guy. He gone. That boy gone. He's done. Right? Yeah. Like, no, no, no. I'm How just many- talking about the series. This winners and losers thing has been fun. I want to bring this back every offseason. All right. I think we should do this every year because it's been the most fun I've had off-season podcasting. I feel like we got to do this more often. What do you? What did you say? Twelve beers? Um, one, two, three. Yeah, we'll call it thirteen. Thirteen beers. <laughs> All right. Let me, I'm going to do some quick math for everybody that I had six. So it's nineteen beers tonight between the both of us. So based on the board. We'll go 19 times 18, 18 weeks, 340. Right now we're on pace for 342 if we didn't make the playoffs. Oh, no. Well, so, obviously we're making the playoffs. So if we make the Super Bowl? Shit. If we make the Super Bowl, 19 beers a week, we're on pace for 437. <laughs> oh, so, no. <laughs> so there it is. That's what we've done tonight. Well, hopefully things go a little bit better throughout the next couple of weeks and I'm not just drinking like a fiend. It it makes me frustrated knowing that people like this exist in our fan base and like to call themselves. Like, they put themselves in the same conversation as us and I'm tired of acting like it's okay. Yeah. Punching down doesn't bother me. And if you, if you listeners want to get mad at me about it, it's fine. I love you. I love you. I just don't love everybody or everything. But for tonight, we got to get out of here. I love this football team. I love what this season can be. And I can't wait to see what what comes out of the Chris, we have what? What show's coming out? We've got know. our AFC's roundup. We've got our week one preview. Talking about the Rams. Yeah. God. And then we'll be back the Wednesday after the uh, Rams game. And every Wednesday during the season. Releasing one show on Wednesday, two on Thursday. So enjoy it. God. I'm not going to lie to you. It does feel nice being 13 beers deep behind a fucking microphone. (laughs) It does. It just feels normal being back here. Guys, thank you so much for allowing us the platform to continue doing this. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rockpile Report. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.